0: And I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So, it is the month of March 2021, and we are in the midst of our March of the Monsters event month, where we've been covering the works of King Kong and Godzilla in anticipation of their uh, imminent matchup. Uh, that will be screening on HBO Max at the end of the month, as well as in theaters, if you have access to such uh, locations and facilities. Uh, as far as I'm aware, I do not, so I will be doing the HBO route yes. on the small screen with the big monsters. <laughs> <laughs> so in the past two weeks, uh, we have covered the original King Kong from 1933, Gojira from 1954, uh, which brings us in the timeline up to 1962, for King Kong versus Godzilla, uh, a Toho production featuring, of course, King Kong versus Godzilla. This would be the first time these two monsters were pitted against each other. Um, and we're getting a reunion of sorts this year. Uh, so this is, this is kind of a momentous occasion in a cinematic history. Um, it's not the first time, uh, you know, franchise monsters have been pitted against each other. We, of course, had like Frankenstein meets the Wolfman and all that shit. Um, but in terms of scale I think this may have been the first time we had like two giant franchise monsters go at it Mm -hmm. Um, in particular two giant franchise monsters from opposite sides of the globe um, which is kind of a cool thing when you think of it I think that's why this concept has just a natural appeal to it Um, but it's kind of interesting how this project came together Kyle Um, did you happen to do any research or look into this at all
1: no actually I didn't really put too much thought into it um, I, for like King Kong versus Godzilla I kind of thought it was a marketing ploy it's just like let's see how we can get two,
0: two countries of audiences into the theater yeah I mean that's ultimately what it always is yeah. <laughs> I mean there's a reason why the WWE does business in Saudi Arabia and it's certainly not because there's artistic value in doing performances <laughs> over there it's just because some money got exchanged yeah um, um, but as far as I understand, the way this project came together is uh, partially sad, but also, you know, inspiring in that it actually got done, because that doesn't always happen. Like, I mean, um, we, last month was sports month, um, and it just so happened that um, in, like, combat sports, it's very common that you'll have, like, a, a high-demand matchup that mm-hmm. just won't fucking happen. And it, it just lets people down, where it's like, you spend years pining for this thing to come together. And it just doesn't happen. Uh, so just the fact that we've gotten this matchup twice, um, even with all the lawyers and like franchise owners and stuff involved, uh, that's kind of a mini miracle. But th- the way I understand it was that um, Willis O'Brien, actually, the-, the guy who gave life to the original King Kong, the stop-motion animator himself, um, was shopping around an idea for King Kong versus Frankenstein's monster? <laughs> um, yes, this was a thing. And funny enough, in the in the mid 60s, a few years after this movie came out, um Toho would make a few Frankenstein movies wherein they took Frankenstein as a scientist, although I think they like moved the timeline up where Dr. Frankenstein um was a Nazi. <laughs> and he uh, was doing He would have been. <laughs> he totally would have been. Totally <laughs> <would've> been. <laughs> but they moved the timeline up so they could have like nazi occult science bullshit going on as an explanation for how we got a giant monster out of this Mm -hmm. and they made a frankenstein conquers the world he spoiler alert he doesn't actually conquer the world he doesn't even conquer the japanese countryside let alone the whole country (laughs) so that sounds like
1: a QAnon conspiracy you know frankenstein took over the world
0: right Yes, he's installed puppet presidents all around the globe. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right.
1: <laughs> we might be switching over to Austin Powers as far as a. Uh quoting uh michael My- mike myers uh, properties
0: i was about to say somehow we jump from one Mike mike myers property to another yeah it's like, you know it was, a, it was a smooth transition anyway <laughs> well maybe maybe some of our younger listeners that'll help them out because like maybe wayne's world is before their time but austin powers is more yeah. of their time yeah so, hmm, maybe like- that's a good move that's a that's a good marketing ploy on our part yeah. it's like we gotta stay contemporary with our audience move <laughs> so- with the times well, actually I've looked at our listening statistics and it's mostly boomers as far as I can tell. <laughs> so bad move, I guess. We should go yeah. backwards. Um, but and then uh War of the Gargantuas was another Frankenstein adjacent property that Toho produced, which is actually like kind of an underrated Toho monster movie where it's uh these two gargantua creatures that are like spawn of that Frankenstein's monster. And there's a good gargantua and a bad gargantua, and uh, unlike other Toho monsters, uh, they're actually vulnerable to like, like military hardware and stuff. Finally, and also, yeah, fi- fucking finally. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the the suits were designed in such a way where the performers could actually move pretty well. Uh, so just the the style of suit that you get to see like has a more visceral, like more violent look to it, and. it's kind of cool but um anyway willis o'brien was shopping around this idea and uh he actually got it into the hands of a producer friend of his who ran off to japan with the idea (laughs) and sold it to toho (laughs) without telling willis o'brien what a dick or toho for that matter so willis o'brien's like oh i you know any any day now I'm, i'm gonna get a a letter in the mail and it's going to be like yeah we've greenlit your project and it's like no instead I got a letter in the mail saying you no longer own any stake in King Kong it belongs to some random company in Japan. I <laughs> mean
1: honestly I, I, what do you think if, if it had been the reverse say a Japanese gentleman got the rights to Godzilla came over to the United States is like hey I'll sell you this property you guys can do King Kong versus Godzilla. A stop motion Godzilla
0: versus King Kong that could be kind of fun I would totally watch that. Yeah. I mean, I think it could be a lot of fun and you know, CGI may as well be the, the current version of stop motion. Like in terms of how it's utilized in film, it's, it, basically the same idea so we're kind of getting a a 21st century version of that i guess
1: yeah because you lose the charm of king kong once that man is in a monkey suit like once you get the gorilla suit in i'm like yeah it's a dude in a monkey
0: suit yeah that's a man in a gorilla suit and i'm pretty sure the fur on him is like from a bear or something Yeah. (laughs) yeah uh it spoiler alert the king kong suit in this in this film from 1962 uh is often thought of as one of the ugliest Godzilla monster suits ever
1: I actually think it looks better than the clip of the Godzilla the 70s Godzilla movie with Jessica Lange I'm like oh that it literally looks like John Cleese's gorilla in George of the Jungle like (laughs)
0: legit (laughs) it does but you need to remember that was 1976 as opposed to like the year 2000 or something yeah Um, so I I actually disagree Um, (laughs) I think the 76 version looks quite a bit better than the 62 version um, in particular just it's like the the body sculpt has a much more realistic look to it although the eyes are a little they're a little uh, creepy because it's clearly a human being's eyes and he he's expected to emote and stuff and it's like what, Weird.
1: He also has Chubbs from uh, Happy Gilmore. He's got Chubbs arms. You notice how his arm is one, his one Chubs' his one hand is like super long than the other, but both of God, both of King Kong's arms are like a foot longer than they're supposed to be.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. And I mean, I gave you many, many opportunities to to bow out of King Kong '76, but you sounded <laughs> bound and determined to, to make us both watch that. I mean, seems was that the next one
1: we're covering? Yes. Okay, and then I might watch it here with uh, Steph. I think that could oh, be a fun Oh, no. One. That <laughs> That's the one. end
0: of that relationship.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I already got her to watch 7, so if it, we got past 7, I think we can make it. <laughs> well,
0: I'm, I'm half expecting her to just roll her eyes and just, like, walk out halfway uh, through. <laughs> I,
1: we watched Wonder Woman 84 together,
0: so I'm owed one. Oh, nice! Yes, that does work out quite mm-hmm. well in your favor. <laughs> it's like, you can't leave. I stuck around for yours. You gotta stick around for mine. And we ordered pizza last
1: night, and we watched Goodfellas. She had never seen Goodfellas.
0: Oh, I mean that—that's like a Christmas present almost. Today. And she—she
1: <laughs> she very much enjoyed it. She was talking a little oh. bit at first, but then when things started going, I tried to mention something to her. She's like, "Huh? <laughs> yeah." Like, oh, she's <laughs> in it now.
0: I was about to say you almost had to bust out a zip it! Hush, hush, hush. Anyway, uh, but yeah. Anyway, uh, Willis O'Brien got dicked out of his his own franchise, essentially. Uh, poor guy. Um, and Toho got a hold of the franchise, and they kind of fast tracked this this film. And as far as I understand, Godzilla wasn't in the front running to be part of part of this project uh, because it's very 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 important to note um in 1962 both of these franchises were kind of dead in the water yeah like like king kong would get screened in theaters like worldwide every every so often kind of like et for a minute there right et came out and every three or four years or something they would put it back in theaters because it was such a big deal um we were having a lot of fun in the 50s though i think that's that that was
1: kind of the thing like godzilla came out at the perfect time like godzilla then we have the the uh 50s and early 60s sci-fi boom like there's a lot of good sci-fi movies right in there them uh so it came out at just the right time i'm not sure what the shift was in the 60s though what
0: what kind of movies we were doing
1: exactly what was what
0: was hot uh well, that's actually a funny thing, because you can kind of see a little, a few strands of the DNA from from what was going on in this film, and that would be beach party movies, Kyle. Oh. We were all about Hawaii. Um, oh, okay. Elvis went to Hawaii, and the oh. whole country followed suit. <laughs> well, we were getting into the James Bond films, weren't we? Yes, yeah. yes. And uh, the Godzilla movies certainly kind of followed that trend. Um, in in like the late 60s and the early 70s they they really started to make pseudo james bond movies that just happened to have monsters in them it was kind of it was kind of fucking cool actually Um, but yeah uh beach party movies were really big (laughs) surf movies and shit yeah um but in 1962 godzilla at the at that point in time had only been in two movies um the original gojira and uh no Godzilla's counter attack, or Godzilla raids again, uh, which came out the following year in '55, and wasn't very good. Mm. Um, and then he just laid dormant uh, until this project. And King Kong never really got a well. Son of Kong didn't feature him. It featured like a, a white, smaller gorilla. And then Mighty Joe Young came out later. Oh. That f- no, the the old ones actually good. Oh, I'm thinking. I'm thinking the. I'm thinking the hell, <laughs> is it Helen Hunt? Maybe uh late 90s though yeah like 98 Uh, maybe yeah I thought that's what you were talking about (laughs) sorry no 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 Mighty Joe Young the original came out I think in the 40s or yeah I think it was like the 40s but um yeah 1949 yeah that was very good um but nobody cared except for you know the people who it wasn't a King Kong movie but it was made by Willis O'Brien and his associates and stuff but The most important thing is that in 1962, both of these franchises weren't really up to much. So this was kind of unusual that this would come together and do as well as it did. I'm sorry. The
1: Mighty Joe Young from the 90s has two of my favorite people, uh, Bill Paxton and Charlize Theron. Oh, damn. (laughs) Like (laughs) early
0: Charlize Theron?
1: Pretty much any. (laughs) It was early, but pretty much any Charlize Theron is is nice to look at. Um, Yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) but bill
0: paxton damn yeah that's a weird matchup by the way very very weird (laughs) but i i mean sounds good on paper i like both of them it's like mixing barbecue with an
1: expensive pinot grigio which is like i don't think those go together (laughs) (laughs) jesus
0: (laughs) it's like but yeah i miss miss bill paxton i do too Um, But that being said, uh, how about we get to the movie proper? So, Kyle, it is customary for you to uh, attempt to give us a plot rundown. Yes. Uh, A, a,
1: a uh, A Japanese ad company are trying to cash in on a giant monster in the form of King Kong to sell pharmaceuticals, and they have to stop Godzilla and King Kong and also try to preserve king kong at the same time the king kong thread in this movie is very strange i'm sure we're going to dive into that
0: yeah uh, it, it, it's a little strange um i'm i'm not sure how uh, 21st century audiences would react to some of the the uh the early pharaoh island sequences oh. um, actually it's a good half of the movie actually like it's kind of unexpected how long we spend on this fucking island and it's actually probably the honestly honestly that's my favorite sequence of the movie uh minus
1: the black face but
0: (laughs) i don't even know what you would call it yeah (laughs) yeah, i'm not even sure we'll we'll talk
1: about it when we get there i suppose
0: yeah uh so everything everything that guy just said is bullshit (laughs) (laughs) i i don't know why that is like my one of my favorite takeaway lines from my cousin vinny which you being in law school you owe it to yourself to give a rewatch if you haven't in a while i've only seen bits and pieces tbs bits and pieces Oh, you got to watch it uh, with F bombs preserved because those are important. It's a Chopeshi film. Man. I was going to say, like, <laughs> I mean, we
1: watched Goodfellas last night. I'm like, we could just keep the Chopeshi train going.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I really love my cousin, Vinny. My dad uh, had had me and my brother watch it. Um, I don't know if separately, probably, because he probably just wanted an excuse to watch it again. <laughs> <Too> but <times. laughs> yeah, but um, we watched it at a pretty early age. And, like, my dad always pointed out to me that it's like, you know, as funny as this movie is, um, it's actually gotten some praise for its handling of the courtroom process.
1: Uh, it's there, like fairly
0: accurate, apparently.
1: There is a, a guy on YouTube. He's a lawyer, Legal Eagle, and he breaks down scenes from movies. And like, like, he's done. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, which he is highly critical of. But he's done. <laughs> he's done my cousin Vinny, and I haven't. I haven't actually seen that, so I'm curious as what he has to say because he breaks down. Uh, he did the Social Network, and he's like, this is actually somewhat accurate. Um, it's a lot of depositions. That movie's mostly depositions, but the way it's handled is a little off,
0: he says. Well, it's David Fincher. He does this research, you would think. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, a movie's always got to be a movie at some point, Yeah, but... Anyway, so let's let's get into King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah. And there may be some jumping around here uh, yeah. because uh, this movie does drag ass oh, um, yeah. pretty badly, especially in the early goings. Uh, it's it's an unfortunate element of the pacing of this era of Godzilla film. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing like before we get started, I'm sorry to always front load these episodes, but goddamn, I love them so much. <laughs> I have to. I, I just I I got to get it all out otherwise I'll have nightmares. <laughs> but um the most important thing to note is that Godzilla had two movies prior to this. Uh, he had only faced another monster in opposition one time prior to this. So the 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 template, the the basic skeleton and framework for how a Godzilla movie was structured wasn't really set in stone yet. However, this movie kind of represents the the maybe the most solidified example of what a Showa era Godzilla movie would be and well before he would turn into friend to all children which would happen mm-hmm. you know in the later 60s and early 70s and whatnot but this movie is structured kind of like a prototypical Godzilla movie in a lot of ways so just keep that in the back of your mind um but yeah anyway uh movie starts with our uh, our opening titles which Kyle and I are both in favor of uh, like a good front credits mm-hmm. um, yes. and immediately um we get a uh, we get a piece of music that we we will hear a few too many times in the movie. Um, but it's a really good piece of music, so thankfully it's like, okay, it, it, it is too much. It's kind of like bordering on, like, how many songs does Madonna need to have in Dick Tracy? <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> but I, at least it's good. I like the Madonna thread in that
1: movie. I don't know why, but I I, I genuinely like Dick Tracy. So
0: how, how old were you when you saw that movie? I was on.
1: like six or seven.
0: Okay, I was just checking to to see what was going on in your pants like like if, like if you're like 11 or 12 or something i was like that would explain a lot i mean she was definitely she was definitely doing it for me in that movie yes yeah she had some jessica rabbit stuff going mm-hmm. on in that movie but anyway yeah, so we get front credits and uh needs to be said the uh production crew for this film uh the major players from the original gojira uh were brought back into the fold so we have uh, Ishiro Honda in the director's chair, we have Akira Ifukube doing the composition, we have Eiji Tsuburaya doing the special effects, as he would do for pretty much this entire era, and then Tomoyuki Tanaka doing producing, um, he was basically the shepherd for the entire franchise, and I'm getting a hand up in the front row of the classroom from Kyle, uh, I what have, question do you I have, have here, sir? <laughs> I
1: have to comment before we move on too far, and I forget, it's because of the montages that happened during her singing, that's why I like it, so...
0: If that helps i fundamentally disagree with you, <laughs> okay <laughs> but i want to i am sh- a i am a set piece man kyle i i need i need me a raiders truck chase mm. i need a plain fist fight you know i can just say that phrase and i get three minutes of film dedicated to just indiana jones punching a giant german man i love <laughs> the
1: cartoonish the i love the cartoonish
0: montages in that movie and her singing over it makes them fun so anyway sorry Okay. Anyway, <laughs> we get our front credits, and uh, Akira Ifukube it needs to be said. Uh, he actually like formed kind of his his like base soundscape for most of the Godzilla movies running forward in this movie. Uh, so the original Godzilla uh, kind of got the ball rolling, introduced some of the the really important themes that would pop up in all the movies going forward. He didn't do the second one. But he comes back for this one and a lot of the tracks he composed for this movie would be recycled and rearranged um, for years, for decades to come. Uh, So that's another important historical anecdote for this movie. And the other one is that uh, there are two versions of this film. Um, There's the American international cut and the Japanese cut. And uh, folks at home, more than likely you have not seen the Japanese version of this film as it is not easy to come by. How do you? How'd you um, how did you get it, Trevor? How did you get this copy? Oh well, I'm glad you asked, Kyle. <laughs> with with my fancy new Shola Era Godzilla collection from the Criterion Collection. Bing. Ding! <laughs> um, uh, I was yeah, gonna ask: Does it have the American
1: version uh, included on there? Like as it a... does.
0: Oh. It does, and it's actually kind of interesting because I I I've talked to Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast about this before. I can't remember about what. But um, apparently there's some some tricky business going on with um, copyrights and trademarks and whatnot. Mm. Uh, So as far as I understand it, uh, the only way they were able to include the Japanese cut of the film was as a special feature on one of the discs. So the disc that includes the American cut of the film is just like labeled King Kong vs. Godzilla. However... There's an eighth disc, and there are eight discs. That's a lot of discs. <laughs> um, there's an eighth disc that has all the supplemental features for all the films included, and as a special feature, it's included there. Okay. Um, and I think they had to do that for legal reasons or something. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, we, we are working from the Japanese cut of the film, but um, I, I don't plan on jumping around back and forth like I did with uh, Godzilla King and the Monsters for mm. talking about the American cut, but um really all you need to know is that the american cut uh has horrible music um mostly from universal's back catalog of monster movies mm. it's not bad music it's just not it not godzilla match. music As I say it doesn't match godzilla like the soundscape of a godzilla film is key to to it being a godzilla film um in a lot of ways that's what godzilla 98 did wrong um mm. godzilla 2014 didn't didn't use the Godzilla theme at all it was all original compositions but the feel of it was right mm-hmm. um, and the other change mostly is t- uh, pacing um, it's a lot it's a lot more tightened up the American cut of King Kong versus Godzilla and uh, also also a lot of the uh, science exposition gets imparted to us via um, Americans in a news office um, like talking direct to t- camera like, like fourth doing wall. It yeah and it's funny too because the guy looks like uh vince vaughn with a few more wrinkles so i'm Uh, like is that fucking vince vaughn telling me what godzilla's up to it's like vince uh uh, westman tooth from anchorman it's just vince vaughn is an anchor no joke. He he does look a lot like him. I'll see if I can <sighs> send a picture of him to you. <laughs>
1: Maybe we could. That would be kind of funny if, like, funnier or die was to do that. Like they put the Vince Vaughn over the American version of uh, Godzilla and have him do the do the stuff. Oh, I bet
0: you could have a lot of fun with that. Mm-hmm. Just just like, well, I mean, there's there's two things you could do. You could have Will Ferrell and Vince Vaughn doing doing news reports amidst a Godzilla film. Oh yeah, and just and just running with it. And the other one, Thank- of course, would be JR and Jerry the King Lawler doing commentary for the fight. <laughs> okay. yeah. You can actually do that. <laughs> by God, King Kong is electrified! King, King Kong's got a rock! King Kong's got a rock, J.R. <laughs> the most electrified gorilla in sports entertainment, by God! <laughs> uh,
1: so I had a question. I read on IMDb that they actually mixed the Godzilla roars from the first two movies together to come up with this one because this one sounds different than the original
0: yeah it's cleaned up um i don't like it as much i prefer it, the original uh in some ways i agree with you i think it works for this film because uh this this film was also the first godzilla film in color by the way and in widescreen for that matter i didn't uh, even notice that i was watching that it's a really screen. big deal yeah it's a really big deal it, you know it's in bright technicolor like Scope is what they call it because you know, mm. they they got to put their own name on it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like we ain't paying royalties to you no. we're just gonna make our own and make it slightly better that's <laughs> Japanese industry in a nutshell <laughs> but um yeah i think it works better in this one and it would be the standard roar uh for years to come up until like 1984 when he was supposed to go back to being mean mm. um but yeah uh, the the original roar does have like a fearsome like alien quality to it that that works better when he's an antagonist um but in this one because it's so bright and goofy it's like I, I agree with cleaning it yeah, up. Yeah, I, I get you. Yeah, this one's a little more goofy. Um, and yeah, and speaking of goofy, uh, the first thing we get in this movie after the credits, uh, we're at the opening credits, <laughs> 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 um, is a, uh, a obvious prop of a globe floating in space and some science man talking some science bullshit. And then the camera pulls back and he steps into the frame and uh, he continues to ramble about science bullshit and we see that he's like on a studio like a stage being filmed for like a commercial or something and then uh we cut to like a marketing office yeah very familiar territory for you kyle mm-hmm. um, being as mad men as your go-to franchise yeah um and we get to meet uh, one of our more important characters uh mr tuckle uh, who is that the cartoon character with the glasses yeah it, it's weird because he's he is a like a talented comedic actor um however like he looks like a japanese caricature of like like anti- japanese propaganda (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's like i don't know i don't know if you're aware of that but over here this is what we draw when we're talking shit (laughs) i say it's
1: like mickey rooney and breakfast at tiffany's like it's kind of what we got here but except an actual japanese man
0: (laughs) except an actual japanese man with japanese sensibilities but um it needs to be said i do i do like his physicality and his acting he's 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 a very skilled comedian like he brings like a fun he, energy yeah yeah he has a squirrely goofy energy to him and it's really neat he has almost like a groucho Marx quality to him where he's fast talking but in his case he's kind of an idiot yeah. but he has like an intensity to him where he feels like he do you feel you are in charge yeah. <laughs> i mean, he he feels he's in charge but he's kind of a fucking moron um, and in fact, like he gets a phone call from like the company president, and he holds the the receiver upside down, mm-hmm. and he has to be corrected by somebody. It's like right. Oh. Fucking idiot! I You're thought, the boss, right? <laughs> I, for a minute, I thought like,
1: are Japanese phones held up like that? That's weird. Why would they do the? Why would you do the cord on top? Of, oh, he's holding it upside down.
0: <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying to get inside Kyle's head. It's like, well, they read backwards. Oh, yeah. huh. as well, I may I wonder if they hold the phones backwards. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Culture. <laughs> <laughs> we expand our cinematic horizons. God damn it! That's part of the show. But, yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway, he's Mr. Tuckle. Is frustrated because uh, his company, uh, Pacific Pharmaceuticals, is having difficulty finding an audience with their advertising campaigns. Um, And in the midst of him uh, getting a, I guess he gets cussed out over the phone or something, Uh, we don't really hear the conversation. Uh, We cut back to that science man broadcast, and uh, via satellite, uh, we go to uh, a scene involving a U.S. submarine in the Arctic waters. And they're exploring, and we get a whole scene uh, with a bunch of white guys (laughs) um, on a submarine, and uh, it has Japanese subtitles for the Japanese audience. caught that, yeah. (laughs) And uh, as far as I understand, um, everybody's speaking English in this scene, obviously, but Mm. um, for the American version of this film, they dubbed all these guys. (laughs) 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 Yeah, It's actually kind of funny seeing it, because it's like, man, they didn't do that bad. Honestly, they did. do do kind of bad (laughs) the americans acting in this is not very good but the worst is the helicopter pilots the helicopter pilot has a great line yeah yeah i you you got to point it out because i forget but um yeah the american acting here is pretty bad i i want to say there's actually a thing in a and this isn't just japanese cinema this is just like asian cinema in general uh less so today um but in in earlier films it seem pretty common to have people speaking foreign languages slow down um mm. and it comes across as kind of stilted and artificial but I, th- I want to say it's for the benefit of the the japanese audience um because you know they're unexpectedly having to read subtitles and stuff and, yeah. on, and it's a totally foreign tongue so everybody just sounds a little slower you sound like will ferrell after he takes that dart in the neck whoa, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> you're, you're crazy I I like you, but you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene. <laughs> it's great. Um. Anyway, uh, they come across some sort of uh, ominous glowing in a glacier in Arctic yeah. waters, and a uh, a major difference between the Japanese cut and the American cut. I swear this will probably be the last time I do this. Hopefully, um, is that here we cut back to Japan um, in the Japanese cut, but the American one we actually hold on the submarine sequence and the entire sequence plays out. And I think it actually is to the film's benefit for pacing reasons. Um, Cause we're, we're trying to build tension here and the Japanese cut, we we keep cutting away from it and we get like yeah. fragments of information. It's, it's a little bit frustrating because honestly the, the Japanese stuff isn't terribly interesting at this point. It's an wow. ad agency it, so you, it in goes- a giant monster movie. I don't really care too much about, advertising and commercials and stuff
1: it's submarine yada 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 submarine yada yada yada, <laughs> yada submarine yada 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 island
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's it's a little bit frustrating uh, yeah. to say the least but um anyway we uh we cut i do back. like this
1: i do like this submarine set that they have it's it's miniatures and we've got like an arctic uh little little water set that we've got i think it looks pretty cool i was like oh this is kind of neat this is we haven't seen this before. I haven't seen this kind of miniature before.
0: Uh, yeah, no, the, the miniature work in this film is mostly pretty good. Um, I, I actually really do like this submarine. Um, mm. The interior is a little spacious for, you know, what. like yeah. it's not dust boot level claustrophobic. <laughs> Motherfucker doesn't say down
1: periscope. I was so angry. I think he might have said, he says something periscope, but I'm like, you have to say up periscope, down periscope. Come on.
0: I mean Kelsey Grammer made a whole movie named that. So that's doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> it's,
1: it's yeah, you're right. It's not it's not Dos Boot levels, but yeah. yeah. It's a set. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it it's a set and it's really funny seeing the captain of the submarine cuz he looks so nervous. Like, he looks really uncomfortable. <laughs> like, he's supposed to be, like, the big badass captain guy, and he's he just he's sweating the whole time, and his eyes are bugged out. He's like, is that the right line? Did I say it? It's like, <laughs> nobody's directing me. <laughs> like, there's a language barrier. <laughs> it's it's like that Chris Farley schedule. Yeah. For God's sake, I don't speak Japanese! <laughs> All right, that was a good one, too. That was good, yeah. Uh, um, but, yeah, we cut back to the Japanese ad agency, so Pacific pharmaceuticals television studio and uh we get introduced uh to basically our our main characters here. Uh so we have uh, Tadao Takashima as a Sakurai and Yu Fujiki as a Furue or a uh, uh no I think they call him Furue uh for the film but uh I don't know do you want to come up with some nicknames for these guys Bill and Ted is Bill and Ted. Yeah, that's perfect cuz they're kind of interchangeable. The only difference is is a uh, Sakurai is a uh, kind of serious and Furue is kind of a he's kind of an idiot (laughs) um, in fact he sounds like uh he sounds like Barney from the Flintstones in the American dub (laughs) so I mean Fred and Barney actually that wouldn't be too bad Fred yeah actually I'm going with Fred and Barney's fine yeah uh but we get to see Fred and uh he's drumming uh in front of a camera uh to do a commercial for Pacific Pharmaceuticals and it's actually kind of goofy how the script works for this film, because there's a lot of breadcrumbs laid down. that you, in a weird You really way, didn't need yeah. to in a weird way, but it's like you didn't need to do that, but it's actually kind of neat that you did.
1: <laughs> I honest now this is going to sound racist. Uh, I didn't realize these were the same dudes until that drum scene came back. I'm like, oh, he was the dude drumming at the beginning. I did, in my defense, I broke this movie up uh, between two days, so I it was a bit of a gap.
0: That's okay, Kyle. I'll defend you. you uh, d- d- Sakurai was, was wearing a hat, you know. <laughs> and his hair is magnificent. So if you cover that up, it's like, what are you left with? It's like, I mean, he does have luscious lips. I so will give him that. Um, that's, that's an unexpected feature on a Japanese man, by the way. <laughs> like, like, that's rare. Um, so good on him and his genetics. But um, uh, what transpires here is basically uh, we learn that he he can play the drums. So put a pin in that. Um, and apparently that's not his job. He's like an ad exec, but they um, somebody called in sick or something. He was recruited because they knew he could play the drums. Uh, so they report to Mr. Tako. Um, and we immediately jump to the next scene where um, the three of them, including Mr. Taco, uh have a sit down with a Japanese scientist who uh, is telling them about a new like berry he discovered in in way deep and like near like the Indonesian archipelago. Um, it's like these big red berries that have, uh, somatic qualities to them. So they, they put you, they put you to sleep and apparently animals love them. Mm. Um, so I guess Pacific Pharmaceuticals wants to acquire more of these berries, um, because they're a pharmaceutical company and Hey, it'd be cool if we could get some stuff that puts people to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) but, um, so this, this begins like the process of them heading out to what would uh, what will become a big marketing opportunity for them uh, in Farrell Island, which is the name of the island where, spoiler alert, King Kong is located. Um, and part of the reason for this also is that Mr. Taco is jealous of a rival uh, Japanese pharmaceutical company and television studio um, that is broadcasting the submarine footage um, and stuff. So uh, their their generic science man broadcast can't compete with U.S. submarines in the Arctic footage, apparently. Um mm boring days for tv <laughs> but, uh, we have a dinner scene for uh sakurai and uh fujita uh who is uh, played by kenji sahara um mostly the reason why i'm pointing out all these actors is that they're like toho stalwarts like they're they're part of toho's like catalog of stars but not only that they're in lots of godzilla movies um and uh Hama is also here uh who I believe went on to be a bond girl. I was going to um, say she
1: looked like she might have been a bond girl.
0: Yeah, actually they they had a they had a couple of like big leading ladies in this one. Uh, Akiko Wakabayashi was the other one. Um and I think Miehama Hama uh, played the bond girl in a in a You Only Live Twice. That's correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, she's she's gorgeous. <laughs> she yeah, she's, she's a bond she girl. got good features. <laughs> yeah for fuck's sake you gotta do something right to be a bond girl but um we have a dinner scene where really all that's important here is that uh we get to see Fujita has a special wire that he built himself uh, so it's like an invention that he's working on getting padded or something and uh it's this super duper strong wire that it's supposed to be like incredible tensile strength but it basically is just wire <laughs> yeah i remember seeing this as a kid and uh because the VHS copy I had of the American cut of the film was so shitty. Um, I couldn't see the wire that he was bouncing off of when he was leaning back on the balcony. So I was like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, because it's so, it is a wire. You can't really see it, but he demonstrates the tensile strength of it by basically hanging off of a balcony. And, um, he very easily could have killed himself. Yeah, it? easily. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, really, all this scene does is uh, demonstrates that we have a wire that can carry heavy objects, mm-hmm. put a pin in that as well. And uh, also, Sakurai uh, has uh, <laughs> he has a weird relationship with Fujita, because uh, uh, Fujita is uh, banging his sister. I was going to say, I and thought it, this was a cuck
1: situation. I'm like, what's going on here? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I was like, "This is very." I hadn't ra-. thought of that. But yeah, but you're right. I'm like, "This is really racy for a '60s movie." I'm like, "We've got oh, she's banging my neighbor tonight." I'm like, oh, I got to go over there. I I legit thought that's what was happening until later. She says something about like brother or sister. I'm like, ah, oh, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but you're totally, you're totally right. <laughs> the way it's the
1: way it's, the way it's telegraphed does. I'm like, ah, uh, I'm not sure how to interpret this, so I'm going with that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and it's kind of weird. There's a weird energy here, too, because like, he's trying to like flex his big brother muscles, but he's really ineffectual at it. Yeah. And, and yeah, they live next door to each other in the same apartment complex. It's a little weird. I'm like, damn, Japan
1: was progressive. Alright.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, this is also where we get the funny comedic bit, where he's trying to flex his uh, big brother muscles, and he points out that Hey, his steak is bigger than mine. Yeah. It's like, shut the fucking shut the fuck up and eat your steak. She made it for you without you even saying anything.
1: I, I'm wondering now that you mentioned how this came about, like how the rights were sold to the studio so that they could make a Godzilla versus King Kong movie. Th- there's a few things in this that seem kind of American, and specifically this meal. This uh, was, was like a staple. It's like steak that's what you have for dinner every night. Steak, um, but. Also, the approach to, like, trying to capitalize on King Kong. Is like, no, 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 we're going to use him as a marketing campaign. I'm like, that's, that's an American idea right there.
0: <laughs> yeah, very much so. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if some elements uh, of the film were structured the way they are to attempt to appeal to, like, international audiences. Um, mm. However, a lot of that got cut for the international cut of the
1: film. <laughs> oh, so this movie came out in the Madison Avenue heyday. Like, this was the Mad Men era
0: yeah that's correct and you can tell like just based on like it needs to be said all of our uh, main characters are like socialized like metropolitan people from tokyo um mm-hmm. there have been other godzilla movies that took place in like the boonies and stuff and had a very different feel to them um however in this one it's like no everybody's dressed in like very modern western like business casual attire mm-hmm. um for fuck's sake sakurai is like a jazz drummer <laughs> like you said they serve steak. And uh, a scene that's cut from the international cut of the film, which directly follows this dinner scene, is a uh, like a going away party um, for for Fred and Barney, um, mm-hmm. where most of the women are dressed in like traditional kimonos and stuff. And it's like I could totally see like an American producer being like, "I don't know what the fuck's going on there. <laughs> like, Get that out of this film."
1: <laughs> I think I think back then they might have had different accents. <laughs> the producers might have been a little different.
0: Yeah, actually, it's kind of interesting. Like, a thing that pops up in a lot of uh, dubs for Godzilla movies of this era is uh, attempts at, like, pseudo-Japanese accents mm. um, <laughs> from the dub actors. Oh, and it always God. comes <laughs> off as, yeah, it's, it's pretty <laughs> fucking bad. <laughs> um, this uh. one didn't really do that. Um, they mostly just say their lines straight. And actually, yeah. the dub for this film is pretty good. Um, there's some other dubs that are also very good like King Kong Escapes I think was actually dubbed by Rankin Bass who it's just voice actors for cartoons from that era so they're all aces they all know how to do their fucking job but yeah this one doesn't fall into the trap of having like oh what are you doing here you're not (laughs) supposed to be here (laughs) like 90s Jackie Chan movies alright Chad can we take that again (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah in the japanese cut we get this uh going away party nothing really important happens here which is why it is cut from other versions of the film (laughs) but we we cut back to that submarine that gosh darn submarine that's uh now trapped in the glowing glacier Mm. uh so they're going through like emergency procedures and uh they're leaking tang i guess yeah uh (laughs) it's a it's a it's green tang <laughs> yeah that's their uh, emergency uh, visual signal to any like helicopters or planes that fly over so they let that out uh they spring a few leaks uh actually decent tension building in the scene i remember liking i like all the submarine scenes in all the godzilla movies 84 has a really good one like a really good one that's a it's a ussr submarine uh, that godzilla runs up upon and it's pretty good. Like, it works out well, and Godzilla thrashes them pretty good. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, long story short, this scene ends with uh, them waiting for rescue and preparing to abandon ship. I'm not really sure how you do that in a submarine. You're, you jump into the water. <laughs> that's, that's how you abandon ship. But you have a glacier on top of your hatch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not.
1: I'm not going to lie, Trevor, it's not going to be easy. <laughs> And, and what, you're gonna be Kyle? dead within a few minutes.
0: <laughs> having having seen Das Boot and stuff, Kyle, why why would anyone like go volunteer on? to be in a submarine? I've
1: anymore? never understood it. I've I,
0: I I can't wrap my head around it. It's insanity.
1: I mean, it's scary enough just being out on a boat, but a fucking submarine, it goes down. Like it I never understood it. It seems terrifying to me. Uh I don't want to be on a submarine. I don't get it.
0: Yeah, and everywhere you go, there's like sweaty dudes and gals rubbing up on you you've you've got somebody's unwashed anus hanging over you whenever you're trying to lay down and catch some sleep oh yeah you have food in your bunk because that's the only place to fucking store anything well uh you have a nuclear reactor (laughs) next to the toilet (laughs) i
1: mean some some uh i know in some divisions they hot rack which means you have more than one person sleeping in a rack so yeah uh which is gross uh but the i don't know what the i don't know what the uh voluntary enlistment status was for Germans in the 1940s or late 30s early 40s not real sure it might have been hey you're going on a submarine <laughs> so
0: i'm not yeah, sure yeah i could totally see that and i mean there's something to be said for the the uh the old school fisherman's mentality of i'm more at home on the sea than i am with folks on the shore uh, but you take that to an extreme, maybe that's what you get for submarine people or something. It's tough. It would be a tough gig. Yeah, it is. I I cannot possibly imagine what what sort of past you would have to have to, to look at the prospect of going on a submarine and viewing that as a positive. Nah. <laughs> anyway, the submarine uh, catches fire, and uh, we hear Godzilla's roar. Um, so we haven't seen him yet, but... His name is on the marquee, and we heard his roar. It's Godzilla. I've yet <laughs> to have a
1: good Godzilla, like a good Godzilla coming into the movie. Because uh, the first one is really, really goofy. Just him, like, popping his head <laughs> over the mountain. This is just, like, some ice breaks, and then it's just like, oh, there's a Godzilla in there. Uh, <laughs> like, this is how he's entering now? Come on. I need a good Godzilla entrance.
0: Yeah. Um,. It's it's been said that uh, Godzilla's entrance is often a tone setter for the entire film, and it is always a really important element of all of his films. Um, in fact, there was a website a long time ago that uh, kind of documented this, where they had like isolated clips of just his entrances and did like mini reviews for for all of them. And um, yeah, uh, this one is an okay one. It's not great. Um, first one, like you said, is goofy. Second one, I, I think he just shows up just. Uh Just kind of like King Kong uh, in this one and in the original King Kong. He just, he's, it's just, Oh, he's there. Godzilla. Yeah. He's just there. (laughs) He was there the whole time. But um, anyway, the sub goes down and then we cut uh, to Fred and Barney and their guide um, who is in brown face arriving on the shore of Faroe Island. Um, They, they're like, it needs to be said, they're dressed up in like generic, like stereotypical safari gear. Yeah. Yeah and they have like Winchester rifles that are like loaded with firecrackers because I I think Japan used to have some like really really strict regulations on guns even in film because I noticed I've noticed this I can't be positive but almost every Japanese film I've watched from like the year 2000 and backwards um, the muzzle flashes are always pink. Um, and a lot of the guns have like extended barrels where it's like, I think they just put like fireworks in the extension on that barrel. It's not Not actually firing blanks or anything. It's like, I want to say it's like a a Japanese government thing or something, but yeah, they have pop guns essentially. (laughs) So ineffectual (laughs) pop guns. Um, but Kyle, you want to walk us through, um, our, our, uh initial contact with the the residents of Faroe island uh, so a, a lot of
1: i've noticed several things that are borrowed from that first king kong movie we're going to the island and we're we're meeting the locals quote unquote um we meet a big group of japanese folks who are in brown face and i wasn't i honestly wasn't sure i'm like is this supposed to be japanese people um portraying pacific islanders like south pacific islanders or they what are basing this off of king kong i'm like are these supposed to be uh black people so this is i had to to text you i'm like what are we trying to accomplish with this makeup so so trevor is this
0: bad or really Really bad bad. (laughs) i wasn't Um. sure uh, I, based on the geography, like we do get, we do get an old man with a Dr. Wiley mustache pointing at a map. Um, mm-hmm. and it is, I mean, who knows, maybe he was drunk on the set and he just like his finger listed wherever it went and it went, but, uh, he points somewhere in like deep Southeast Asia, like, like neighboring, uh, Indonesia, mm-hmm. um, which would suggest like dark skinned Asian folks. Yeah. Um, yeah but either way it, it's native peoples um you you can you can be offended by this if you choose but my perspective is like who is who would be offended yeah. by this because we don't even know what these people are they're from a fictional island with a fictional culture their ethnicity is not identified but yeah anytime you see people wearing uh, skin tone makeup it, it's a little weird <laughs> you can be you could be offended it's fine it's not going to change anything so yeah it's not going to change anything it, the movie's already in the in the can can't really fix it yeah but yeah it it is what it is but anyway uh, our initial contact with the island residents um kind of similar to the original king kong except uh played up for comedy uh, mm-hmm. starts out slightly hostile but we start talking N- no no punches no gunshots no arrows slung just we get to talking we just chitchat and yeah just chit chat. it's a little hostile at first because like i don't know you yeah. you're a new guy here and you're <laughs> it's like i don't like your hat it's shaped <laughs> like a bowl it's weird looking but um the situation is resolved um by fred and barney sharing a radio a transistor radio with the chief of the village and it starts playing some goofy jungle themed japanese pop song and all the natives start laughing and cheering and they have a good time and it's actually like a legit kind of funny comic moment and then they start passing out cigarettes because that's what you do yes again like american kind of shit (laughs) it's like we would probably do the same thing get them hooked yeah yeah um and there's a funny beat where a little a tiny little boy is like doing a a puff motion with his fingers and they're like oh you're a little young but like don't narc on me here (laughs) so they actually give it to him but i think his mom like snatches it from him but um anyway they're in good with the villagers now um, but just as things are like starting to seem pretty cool, some lightning starts going off and makes a big old sound and all the natives immediately like prost- go prostrate down on the f- ground and start bowing and, and uh, doing the, the chant from the opening of the film, um, which will play like six more fucking times in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Fred and Barney come to the realization that's like, oh, there's, there's not a big monster here. Like we were told it's probably just they're scared by the lightning and they think it's like a a deity of some sort. But then we hear the King Kong roar again. We hear the roar before we see the monster, um, and Fred and Barney start getting nervous because they're like, "That not that lightning ain't lightning," as they say mm. on the dub. <laughs> but uh, eventually they go down on their knees, and it's, it's again like played up for laughs because they're like, literally like their knees are like knocking back, <laughs> like, like shaking. <laughs> it look like it looks like a cartoon character. Um but real quick we we cut to Fujita uh who is this is really sloppy in the Japanese cut it's actually streamlined a bit in the American one where they just say he went on a plane ride that crashed um and so his his fiancee or whatever uh Sakurai's sister um is freaking out that like oh his plane crashed I need to go to where he was supposed to be to find him um but here he's like on a he's on a ship um, going to some island location to test his wire or something, uh, his his super strong like filament cable or whatever. Um, but the ship gets a distress call from the the submarine that Godzilla took out. Um, so they're like redirecting or something, and we get a line of dialogue saying he's going to get off the ship um, at an earlier stop or something. Um, so all you're really supposed to get from this is that he is on a ship that will later get sunk. And his his fiance or whatever thinks he's dead. Um, it's a little confused, but we cut to the the Americans on the chopper. And Kyle, you said there was a choice bit of dialogue here you wanted to point out. I didn't get the line. I th-
1: I figured you would actually get the line, but whatever the delivery is, it's really funny because it it it's a dude. Re- it's a an actor reading a line. It's not a character saying something. <laughs> he's just like, look, there's the submarine down there. It's hit the ice. <laughs> it <it's> like, <laughs> as simple as that
0: yeah it it's pretty bad um they're they're not especially good actors no. um, but this is where we finally get our reveal of godzilla where we have a like a bird's eye view like a like a perspective shot from the helicopter cockpit uh looking down at the glacier and we see the the tang floating in the ocean <laughs> yeah. so they 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 found it um and then the glacier bursts open <laughs> i'm listening to it right now look there Al. it's a yellow die marker marking the submarine yeah <laughs> let's go take a look it's, very, <laughs> it's 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 very cheesy yeah um but yeah the this uh, it's a cool camera angle because it is like the movement of it is mirroring that of like a, a helicopter flying over a giant glacier and it bursts open and we get to see godzilla claw his way out of this glacier and we get like a snap zoom on him when he's fully revealed. It's kind of, and then the helicopter pilot, of course yells,
1: Oh, it's Gojira.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it's kind of a weird connection to the previous Godzilla movie because, um, it's not an especially popular or good Godzilla movie, but the second Godzilla movie, the one that preceded this one, um, actually did end with him being, uh, buried in ice, like in the, the North of Japan. Uh, so this is like a direct connection to that, that previous movie. So you could argue that, that this is part of the, like a trilogy, the first three Godzilla movies. And in fact, the ending of this one ties into the next Godzilla movie kind of perfectly because they fall into the ocean and he uh, gets washed onto Japanese shore via a tsunami.
2: Hmm.
0: Uh, so weird, weird bits of continuity that I don't know who cared, but somebody did. That's better than not caring, I guess. Yeah. But, um, anyway, very shortly after the sequence, almost immediately after, um, Godzilla uh, comes upon, like, a military base. I don't know whose base it is. Like, where the fuck is this and why? Um, and we just get our first bits of uh, miniatures and destruction here, um, where Godzilla comes ashore on this base and goes to town on it.
1: Yeah, it's very brief. Uh, just He runs in there really quick. I was like, okay, here we go with the miniatures. And I was like, oh, oh, that's it. Okay. He just kind of comes <laughs> in for a second.
0: Yeah, it's really brief. I did like that the tanks actually retreat. (laughs) Like, they come out, they fire a few volleys, he melts a few tanks, and they're like, fuck this, I'm out. (laughs) We're we're out, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he sets a lot of fires, and uh, really the only significance here, uh, because it is very brief, almost like criminally brief, um, is that uh, we get to see his fire breath uh, for the first time in color. Uh, so the previous two films were in black and white, and so this would be the first time that we, the audience, would be privy to the fact that oh, his fire breath is blue. Oh. Um, that I was not aware of that because I don't even think on the poster art it was it was colored blue. So it's like oh, I you know useful information. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is a we cut from here to like a defense agency in Japan of some sort. Uh, like the self-defense force. And we have Science Man, played by Akihiko Hirata, who played uh, Dr. Serizawa, a.k.a. iPatch or Cyclops, as Kyle often calls him. Yeah, Cyclops. Uh, from from the original Godzilla. And uh, he is here to just dump science factoids, uh, a.k.a. science bullshit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he theorizes that Godzilla is most certainly coming to Japan because uh, behavior patterns in Other kinds of animals suggest that they have like mating patterns and like familiar territory of some sort. Uh, So it stands to reason that Japan was his home at some point. So he's just inexplicably drawn to it. Um, But we cut to Mr. Taco real quick and he's flipping out because uh, he wants a monster of his own because Godzilla is getting all the headlines. He's like, like, God damn it. I have an ad agency to run here. and all the newspapers are printing these days is about godzilla returning and you know coming to wreck japan shit again he's like no I, if they're gonna publicize monsters i want it to be my monster god damn it uh so he's he's trying to get uh his boys on Faroe island to investigate the deity um so this is where they're they're starting to make some headway in, into getting to where we all know a king kong story will inevitably get to yeah and the the uh I don't know. Modern civilization uh, touches the like the primitive island civilization and takes something away from it. Uh, really, really troubling thematic stuff. <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, we get a glimpse of King Kong finally on the island. It's just like half of his head and maybe part of his shoulder. Yeah. Like he causes a rock slide.
1: Yeah. He comes in and do they? Does he drink the goo first and then kind of goes to sleep? Uh, Because when do they start singing and
0: dancing? So a big sequence that happens here. Uh, So we go on an expedition into the jungle. King Kong causes a rock slide. Um, There's also a funny rubber lizard moment where (laughs) where somebody does a giant swing on a lizard, which actually, again, it's like a weird detail that I don't even know if the filmmakers were aware of it. But it's like, we'll actually see that bit of choreography in the climax of the film, just like with a different mammal and a different lizard. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a weird connection. But anyway, I noticed it. But um, the big thing that happens here is the giant octopus, Kyle.
1: Yeah, the uh, giant octopus so, is kind of fun.
0: Yeah, uh, the filming of this scene was apparently very difficult uh, because they had like four oct- octopi, mm-hmm. uh, octopuses. Uh, that, octopi. Octopi. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> let's be proper here. Uh, that um, were utilized on the set in addition to some puppets. Um, and they kept, they were very squirrely. They, they yeah. kept running away from the set and they were direct, like their actions were directed with uh, jets of air. So they just like, like kind of like spraying a bottle at a cat or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> so they'd like usher it in a certain direction. That was about all they could do to direct an octopus actor. Um, and apparently three of them were released into the wild and the fourth one was, was consumed eaten. as yeah. as Tsuburaya's dinner. I was gonna say, I'm
1: like, dude, I've I've definitely had uh, octopus uh, nigiri, so I'm like, yeah, I was expecting, I'm like, yeah, we're gonna eat that one. <laughs>
0: it's fucking delicious, yeah. but you know, these days people have feelings about octopus uh, about octopi, so I'm I'm sorry if you you the listener feel differently.
1: Yeah, I'm not a fan of octopus. Uh, eating it, it just I don't like the texture very much. The it's just not really worth it, and I, also uh, they're really smart, so it's kind of a shame to
0: eat. That them. that's why people. Have- Kind of turn their back on the idea of consuming octopus because they're regarded as very intelligent.
1: Same with cuttlefish. Now eel, I will eat the fuck out of eel.
0: Eel is fucking delicious. It's so good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, this this scene plays out where uh, basically we the island, the Faroe Island residents, they have a a, a cache of uh, the red berry juice, um, mm-hmm. which is actually why we came here in the first place uh so a little boy goes to retrieve retrieve some to give to um barney because he's been he's like chronically sick throughout the entire movie that's like his thing
1: what's the greek um, what's the greek my- i think it's a greek myth but is it with cyclops where they give him all the barrels of wine and he ends up getting drunk and passing out
0: yep that's yeah, correct
1: that's what's happening here
0: exactly yeah, yeah. um it, they were probably very much aware of you know greek mythology uh, so I wouldn't be surprised. Connections. Revolutions. Revolutions. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so a little boy, he goes to this, this hut and uh, his mom comes to retrieve him. And unfortunately, this giant octopus just comes out of nowhere. Uh, the doctor did point out that animals really love the red berries. So maybe mm-hmm. it could smell or sense the ju- the juice in this hut or something. What do you think it tastes um,
1: like? I'm guessing it tastes like a good berry smoothie. That's what I'm thinking.
0: I'm picturing, like, I don't know. Yeah, that's probably right, but the the bright coloration of it makes me think, like, like pomegranate or something.
1: That's what I was thinking. Pomegranate was the other one. Like, maybe a nice blended pomegranate. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's basically red paint in this movie. <laughs> so it's, like, disgustingly red. <laughs> but anyway, uh, this uh, octopus is trying to get at them, and it, like, actually lays on top of this hut. And we get, like, some cool... Uh, blue screen effects these shots are good the ones with the natives are awful (laughs) but um anyway uh all the natives and fred and barney show up to try to repel this giant octopus and by the way tsuburaya has a thing about octopi um he puts them he wanted to put them in like all of his movies (laughs) Um, frankenstein conquers the world had an alternate ending where frankenstein defeats baragon the monster in that film and then is randomly killed by a giant octopus. Well, they're, they're very
1: eerie. Like, I mean, they're cute, don't get me wrong, but like when they're in water, like, and you see them crawling on stuff, like, they're kind of creepy. So that's why a kraken works as a monster. It's like, it's a giant octopus. Like, that's pretty fucking terrifying. And if you're using a live octopus on, like, a set like that, like these uh, these models like this, like, yeah, that's, that's effective. Like, it, it's a good way. I, that's why I actually really like this sequence. I'm like, it actually
0: works yeah no i I agree i think an octopus is always going to be an unsettling thing and i just thought it was funny that it's like a recurring element in his filmography he just always is looking for an excuse to put an octopus in the fucking movie <laughs> my
1: sixth grade math teacher he had uh little snapping turtles uh he had a corn snake that he used to feed mice uh which he'd let us watch he'd let us he'd always feed him three mice and we get to watch him eat the mice so much fun but he also had a pet octopus that he would feed, and it was adorable. Uh, he it was a it was a smaller octopus uh, about the size of a basketball, like just all around. Um, and he would he kept a, a thing of goldfish in a separate tank, so he would take a goldfish out and stab it with a nail, like a like a, a stick with a nail on it, and then he would open up the top of the cage, which he had to keep taped shut because the octopus got out one day. Um, and he almost died, but he saved him, but uh he would feed him the goldfish, and it was the cutest thing the octopus would see it, and he would just reach up with his little tentacle, pull it off the nail, and then just take it down to his tank I'm like that's the cutest thing ever
0: yeah no they're 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 very interesting, compelling creatures they are I, every every fucking podcast I listen to has gone on and on and on about that recent documentary, like my octopus friend or whatever or what? teacher. Yeah, my octopus teacher. St-
1: my, Steph and I are really big octo. We, we like learning about octop- octopi, so I might have. To the, I something.
0: mean, that makes sense, Kyle. Given yeah, the nature of yeah, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, um, but yeah, anyway, uh, they the villagers can't quite take care of this giant octopus, um, and there's <laughs> there's I think two or three, maybe I think just two stop motion shots in this entire film and one of them happens here, and it looks god-awful. Yeah, it's, <laughs> where, qu- it's really quick. Yeah, and this is actually where I give a couple of points to the American version of the film, because the the music, while it's the wrong tone, um, there's a couple of moments where the music actually, like, punctuates the action a little bit, where the Japanese one is kind of flat, where it's just, like, a piece of music plays over the scene and doesn't really Boom. follow the action. Um so this one, like, there's actually, like, an orchestra sting when this, this stop-motion tentacle reaches out and grabs this villager and flings him, you know, off onto the beach. Um, but the Japanese one, it's just kind of, like, music just stays flat, and it's kind of, like, dull and slow. Um, anyway, King Kong, we hear his roar, though, and uh, there is, like, a, a, a big wall, like, a, a far less impressive fortress wall as compared mm-hmm. to the original King Kong. Um, but it is still a miniature and it's made out of wood and stone and king kong just strolls up from behind it and we get to see the uh, the kong suit in all its glory and it looks pretty fucking ass Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty bad not gonna lie it looks kind of shitty um and uh he tears down the wall and starts throwing chunks of it at the giant octopus which is kind of cool yeah um <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I think the octopus only gets one hit in on Kong. This is borderline squash match territory in, in wrestling parlance. This is when Kane comes out and just fucking caves Xbox head in in, like, mm. one hit and then pins him. One, two, three. Uh, cue the pyro. Like, hang on, didn't we have pyro, like, five seconds ago? It's like, we'll do it again. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> match is over. <laughs> but um, I think all the octopus does is, like, jumps up and, like, kind of like oozes mucus on his head <laughs> <laughs> and then he just chucks it on the ground and i love this octopus like you can see that it is an intelligent creature because as soon as it gets slammed on the ground it's like nah, i'm, I'm good i'm out <laughs> like, i'm out yeah it just it just leaves <laughs> it's it, not in a hurry either It just kind of like
1: away they're not, they're not very fast out of water but yeah they're just, it's just like i'm gonna go back
0: now and there's a funny bit here where um I misunderstood what was happening in in my initial viewing of the film as a child uh, because after Kong like he he roars he does a what what to the octopus as it leaves, mm-hmm. but then he like kind of lists to either side and his head just kind of goes uh-huh. and I was, and he does it again on the other side goes, uh-huh. <laughs> and so he does this like rapid nodding motion and I think what's supposed to be is he's sniffing he's oh yeah. the, uh, he's sniffing the the berry juice. But my my take on it as a kid was he was going, Yeah, yeah. You couldn't get yeah.
1: you couldn't get flared nostrils with this thing, so it's like we have to make do.
0: Yeah, actually I'll, I'll point out that the the Kong suit isn't very good, but um, much like the original Gojira, um, they do have a hand puppet version of like his uh, his bust, so just his head and like his shoulders and occasionally his hands. Um, the, the articulation on it is Pretty good like it, yeah, it's it not blinks bad. it blinks really well, it has good mouth motion, and uh as soon as this octopus flees uh Kong just <laughs> helps himself to a handful of ju- i think he does he double fists like two rounds of this shit he chugs quite a bit, yeah, yeah, he takes like four of these these shooters <laughs> like he yeah. takes like four shots of this red berry juice, and this is where we get to see the puppet head drink the the bottles and it it looks pretty good um and he he Gets woozy, gets a little woozy here. A little woozy. <laughs> is this where the the villagers come out and do a
1: dance and song for like ten minutes? For like ten minutes, it's, yeah. It's it's like the wailing. It's like how long is this gonna go on? Also, there is no. I'm like he has no coordination with that dance. I'm like, how do you know to go from one thing to the other, man? You are all over the place.
0: Yeah, this is a little more choreographed. Why, I think the reason why they had the hot mom. Like spotlighted for a few seconds. Thank you. That she actually, she actually knew the moves. <laughs> okay. I was like, i like, like, they keep, they keep highlighting that hottie. I'm
1: like, is there something gonna happen? Like, what's going on here?
0: Yeah, it, I think the reason they highlighted her is that she moves like an actual dancer, and I think she actually knew the choreography. Whereas all the other poor, unfortunate ladies probably weren't told much as to what to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, this scene goes on and on and yeah. on. Yeah. Um, so long story short
1: the important thing uh, to pull is we've
0: got some drums yeah we get some drums and uh they have this chant and drums that they use to usher him to sleep now Uh, did they record this when this was happening because this that's my understanding
1: okay i I didn't see them recording it but it makes sense as we go on
0: because they may have recorded it the the first time when they initially landed on the island or something kind of uh
1: yeah, they might have recorded it because I, I thought maybe I wasn't sure if it's diegetic or non-diegetic when it's happening at the end. I'm like, is it just supposed to be in spirit? That's what the drums are representing, or are they actually blasting the vocal part of the of the the dance that they're doing?
0: I can't actually confirm because the the speakers they had set up very easily could have just been amplifying the drums yeah. and then superimposing the the villagers dancing and chanting. That could have just been like, you know you're supposed to get the idea that the drums are being accompanied by that in in the eyes of the listener so like in kong's case he hears the drums and then he hears the chants in addition to it it's not really important but no it works either um, way however you want yeah. to interpret it um anyway uh, news hits japan that uh, king kong has been captured because of course fred and barney see a sleeping giant gorilla and decide you know it's a great idea we should we should strap him to a raft oh. man what is with these kong movies and rafts Dude, <laughs> it's I, just I, like I, slap them together in five minutes i didn't have a chuckle at this
1: but there are a couple of scenes as we move on that i was laughing out loud uh because there's some <laughs> funny stuff that these animals do also we just know what king kong is like we don't even like mess around with trying to name it. it's like nah it's king kong we're not gonna we're not going to worry about trying to explain to the people if they know what it is, we know what it is. Let's just keep moving.
0: Yeah, and this is like pre-Donkey Kong as well. So, like, Kong wasn't really a thing aside from King Kong. So, you mm. know, it's not like today where you say the word Kong and instantly everybody thinks gorilla. Or like, um, sa-
1: like Sasquatch. Like, we just know what Sasquatch is.
0: Like yeah, we, we all just know what a Yeti or a Sasquatch or a Bigfoot is. But Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, we do get a bit of... Dialogue here uh, comparing King Kong and Godzilla to that of a wrestling match, and then uh, all the main characters in the room roll their eyes to that. But we, the audience, are like, it's totally a wrestling match. <laughs> but, um, but Mr. Tuckle, he finds out that his boys have captured a giant gorilla, uh, so he's excited and he wants to go out to greet them. And I, I love his uh, body language when he's coming down from the helicopter. His like knees are turned inward like that, and he just he's holding this rifle like it, like it's gonna explode on him or something he looks really uncomfortable
1: oh he's straight screeching like he's like dustin diamond and say by the bell like that's how goofy he is i'm like he's even more goofy when he gets onto the boat
0: (laughs) yeah Uh, do people miss screech or like was i feel like he wasn't very well liked when like before he passed away. Yeah, no, he wasn't. He wasn't a good person. Yeah, um. you know, it's unfortunate whenever <laughs> anyone passes. I, I unfortunately didn't have any connection to Saved by the Bell whatsoever. In fact, the only thing I ever saw Dustin Diamond in was a uh, celebrity. <laughs> no, no, no. It was that uh, weight loss club or whatever. It was a. It was like a E or a VH1 show where it was. It was a bunch of washed up celebrities yeah. in a fitness camp, and he was, he was always an asshole. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he was kind of a dick. There was a joke on Family Guy. They they brought up Dustin Diamond, and one of the guys was like, "I don't like. I don't have any respect for who you are or what you do." <laughs> that was the whole, the whole joke. Yeah, he kind of got a bad rap on. Uh, I think there was also like a celebrity. It was. It wasn't even like a weight loss thing. It was just like we're gonna take these washed up celebrities and have them do shit. And he got into a boxing match with somebody. Um,
0: oh wait, yeah, you're right. I did see that too. Yeah. Um, I forget who he fought, but I also saw Vanilla Ice on that same card. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, Danny it's Bonaducci
1: like with the, the yeah. Danny Bonaducci was the big one. Yeah.
0: I'm sure some people
1: might miss him, but not a lot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's fair. I, I know nothing about the man, so I'm I'm not gonna yeah. say anything. Yeah, we're not gonna speak ill of the dead here. I just I was no. just curious if like if there were details I missed out on, but sounds like no. But anyway, yeah. Tako lands on the ship and in the meantime uh, Miehama, uh, Fujita's fiance, she uh, reads the newspaper and discovers that the ship he was on has sunk. So she's like oh shit, my my guy might be dead. So she is heading up north uh, to Hokkaido uh, to investigate maybe he survived or maybe he got off there. She's not sure if he's alive or dead but she needs to go check it out. I think this is my problem with the movie is like we're not investigating the monsters and that's what makes
1: these movies fun. It's like we're doing other shit. Like we have uh, I
0: just kind of had I, that. I agree with you I agree with you in the first half. But I will say this much in the Japanese cut in particular when when both of our monsters are on Japanese soil it yeah. turns into just straight up monster shit for the last half of the movie. It takes a while to get to that. was my my problem. I mean, that. we're we're halfway through this movie and both monsters are still not yet on Japanese shore yeah. <laughs> um, so th- this, is, this is one of those things that, actually this is a, a thing about Godzilla King of the Monsters the, the, the most recent one not the 56 version um, that I was critical of other critics about because um, they're like, oh, the human character is boring. It doesn't really do shit until you get like to the very end. It's like, have you seen you know, a Godzilla God- movie? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's That's what Godzilla that's movies it. do. That's <laughs> what they do. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, it's like if you were raised on this format, like this formula, it's not a surprise. You you can't really roll your eyes at a thing that's been doing the same thing for decades. <laughs> like, like That's yeah. your problem if you can't appreciate it.
1: But there's a way to do it well which i yeah and it's been done
0: well and it needs to be said this is the first time this this particular format is being introduced yeah we're in uncharted territory here we're we're in something completely we're figuring it out as we go and even the tone it's it's this one's actually fairly goofy um some other godzilla movies of this era would become more serious but this one's intended to be fun let's keep this in perspective
1: there's no right way to bring in multiple monsters because we are dealing with monsters. <laughs> like this is completely goofy. However you want to turn it, it's goofy stuff. So as long as they appear and kind of cool, they succeed. They <laughs> they succeeded with the movie.
0: Yeah, that that's my take on it as well. And you know, it, that's actually a thing that the American cut kind of fudges a little bit is um because of the soundtrack because it's like straight up like horror movie music. Mm. Um even the monster action is tainted a little bit where it's like dude the have, did you even bother to watch what the choreography is for these monster fights like this is fun like this isn't meant to be serious this isn't like a titanic struggle to decide the fate of the universe it's like no this is literally a giant monster wrestling match we're swinging a giant lizard by its tail like it's yes. pretty goofy suspended <laughs> on fucking wires yeah yeah it's fucking goofy <laughs> but anyway uh, so Miehama takes off to Hokkaido, and meanwhile, on the ship, uh, Fred, Barney, and Mr. Tuckle, uh encounter the Japanese Navy, and <laughs> we have actually a legit kind of funny moment this where the is naval really officer... Funny. Yeah, he's like fun. he's like serving them notice, basically. <laughs> like, yeah,
1: he does. He does it so well. He's just like, all right. So which one of you is the owner of this animal? I'm like, oh, it's a trap. Don't answer that. <laughs> Don't no, answer. Run,
0: Taco. Just run. <laughs> you will wait until you speak
1: to your attorney.
0: <laughs> yeah, just hop in the raft and run. <laughs> Don't acknowledge him. Oh, it's
1: mine. It's mine. So it's yours. So you're saying it's yours.
0: Okay. You are
1: financially liable for all destruction. Also, yeah. you are being arrested. Well, not arrested, but you are being sanctioned.
0: Yeah, it's it's actually very clever, very funny. Like, Japanese bureau- bureaucracy jokes here. Where, mm-hmm. like, basically, like, this, this guy is doing this totally po-faced and ultra-serious. Like, reading him this notice, like, saying, like, okay, well, Japanese government's saying, nah, you can't bring the big gorilla to our country, Uh, if you choose to you will be fine you will be summarily fined and or imprisoned and taco's just like oh fuck uh, i take it back he's not mine but uh, i like that taco refers to kong as his client (laughs) nice (laughs) Like, like repeatedly it's pretty funny but um anyway we discover that fujita is not in fact dead um and he goes back to the apartment only to come across uh miehama's like friend tells him oh your your fiancee she uh she went up north like to look for you and he's like oh shit that's not good because everything on the news is saying godzilla's appearing up there mm-hmm. uh, so we do discover that godzilla has made landfall in the north of japan and uh we also discovered that miehama is on a train which i really love the look of the miniatures in i this sequence in particular this is a good the little lighting sequence. is it's like at twilight kind of so there's like sunset and it looks really cool just there's like a bit of fog in the air as well and i love the design of the miniature train how they even bothered to put like little figures in there that Mm -hmm. cast shadows on the windows
1: i'm trying to i'm trying to compare it so it's like we spend less time with the miniatures but what little time we get is still really good and i think they tried to do a little bit i did notice a bit more detail like we're actually trying to put little people in there i think the ship does a really good job because there's a really good shot of the ship at one point where you can see a couple of folks on there
0: yeah Uh, (laughs) it's actually kind of goofy looking because it's from above Mm -hmm. and you see it like little dolls yeah and i love the the one shot has one holding a yellow umbrella because Taco has one out to, like, because the waves are splashing on the ship. (laughs) So it's, like, attention to detail that I really appreciate. But um, we do get a little bit of destruction here where uh, Miehama is on the train, and uh, we do get to see Godzilla. And, um, by the way, uh, one of his, his, like, core theme musics, um, like I said, was introduced in this film, and it plays over most of his scenes, including this one. Um, But, yeah, her train gets smashed by godzilla but not before she escapes on foot and we get like a like i said man japanese they know how to shoot evacuation scenes
1: (laughs) Uh, this was very poorly done uh by the character in this movie they're like okay the train's gonna stop here instead of saying can you please get out of the train in an orderly fashion he just is like fucking godzilla's (laughs) going and then they all start panicking and then you can see a conductor like Everybody calm down Calm down Like we we're, we're way past Calm down man We have to run For our lives Shit
0: <laughs> My friend You blew it When you When you got on the mic Like you gotta do that right Cause you fucked You fucked that up You're gonna have Panic on your hands You
1: just say Okay everybody Start getting out Of the train By the way Godzilla's coming Wait till everybody Starts getting out Of the train <laughs> <laughs> It's like I think it's just go ahead and start yeah. getting out of the train. Uh,
0: Godzilla's coming. <laughs> 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 See, that's how you do that. There you go. Yeah, make sure to throw a kudasai in there just to, Wait, to make it official. Did you say Casey Ryback? <laughs> <laughs> that w- that's a Godzilla movie that we, we missed out on. Oh, yeah. Steven Seagal uh, being bombarded with growth rays, like radioactive growth rays, and doing aikido on godzilla in the streets of tokyo i can
1: i i actually am picturing it i can see it it's I see <laughs> hey him doing... hey godzilla you think you're a big man you think you're a big <laughs> tough man well come on big, <laughs> tough man. <laughs> put your hands up <laughs> oh his time you is you're coming a tough
0: guy <laughs> Oh my god, that would be amazing. Yeah. Because there's no way he would allow himself to get touched by Godzilla. I'd
1: rather watch that now with his fat ass flipping a dude in a Godzilla costume. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If you guys don't know, uh, Steven Skull weighs 400 pounds now.
0: Oh yeah, he, he weighs as much as Haruo Nakajima wearing the Godzilla suit. He has a
1: med- <laughs> he has a medicine ball for a belly. <laughs> it's so funny, so
0: perfectly round. I it, wonder if it's like it, it's like that like firm primordial fat though. Oh, I'm it's sure like, it if is. If you kick if you kicked him, you'd like break your shin on it.
1: That's that, he <laughs> he thinks that he's good at a martial art. I'm like, no, you just you have a stomach that's impenetrable. <laughs> it's iron gut yeah. martial art. <laughs> You can drive it's uh, not gonna work. Yeah.
0: Anyway, sorry, the train. <laughs> yeah,
1: come and try it, big man. Try it, <laughs> big tough lizard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, uh yeah, the train gets fucked. Um Hama tries to hop on a, a truck, which again, Japan, they know how to evacuate, man. They have. they parked this train, There's a whole bunch of trucks waiting down in a gully. All the passengers run out to these trains. Unfortunately, she gets kicked off of the fucking truck. Yeah. Um, and she tries to take off on foot. And I remember being a child and watching every scene where this poor woman has to run and just rolling my eyes and like throwing my fists up in the air and being like, Get your shit together, lady. Because <laughs> like she hits that river and she's just like, Gives up. Ragdolling herself around and yeah. saying, like, Oh my God, can you not stand up straight? Take yeah. those fucking heels off.
1: Yeah. I don't think that. People. It was the '60s. Yeah, I was like, women don't know how to run. That's what men do. I'm like, <laughs>
0: no, they they know how to do that. Yeah, they, you know, it's the '60s. Women didn't, they hadn't mastered the knife hand technique, the T1000 running method.
1: It's it's kind of crazy to see a madman. that's like, yeah, the the girl, she thought of a tag for this uh, for this campaign. It's crazy that she thought of that. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, wow. No way. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
0: yeah it was, a di- it was a different world, and I would imagine even more so in Japan. Yeah, I'm know, just saying Europe. like it- as, as you pointed out, it, only a few years prior in '54, you know you have the, the lady in the room deferring to all the men and even taking people's jackets off without asking and stuff.: yeah. And for fuck's sake, she made a steak dinner yeah. for two people, and he just he kicked the door in and, like, and was a jackass, yeah. and she had it ready and she had it ready to go. Yeah, he, he, he came home from work. To his neighboring apartment. Not even the same apartment. And just expected to stay dinner. Jesus fuck. Um, Anyway. uh, Fujita does find her. He like takes a jeep. And like there's a, a goofy alteration in the American cut. Where he comes across multiple people. Like a Japanese military guy is like oh, you can't go that way. You'll be killed. Like, and in the Japanese version, he calls him a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> like, in the American cut, he's like, no, don't do it. You'll be killed. And the Japanese one is like, "Bakatari!" <laughs> and he's like, fucking moron! You fucking idiot. And then he comes across an old man who also points out that's like, oh, everybody got away except for this one lady. But in the American cut, the old man just says, hey, Godzilla's coming. Give me a ride. <laughs> 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 it's fucking, It's fucking great. But... Anyway, he does save her from the river. Godzilla doesn't even really get that close to her, but he's, like, looming above. And it does need to be said, the the, the lighting and, like, the forestry miniatures here and even, like, the, the, like, electrical cables, like the telephone poles along here, all look really good. Mm. And the lighting in particular just has a unique look to it, which, you know, first time we're seeing this particular character in color is a big deal. Um, but, yeah, she gets saved by her, her fiancé, um and in the meantime though king kong is causing a ruckus on his big old raft on the ship at sea uh so they have we had previously seen that they strapped a bunch of boxes of dynamite uh, to the raft in case such a situation would arise uh so the captain of the ship's like cut him loose and uh they can't quite get it done in time uh so fred and barney start shooting at the tnt stuff because uh I guess the plan is to blow the big monkey up. (laughs) Um, And Taco's, like, fighting them. He's like, no, you can't do that. He's my client. We got a contract and shit. (laughs) There's marketing dollars at stake. Um, But long story short, they do uh, set off the TNT. It does go kaboom. And then we get to see the Kong suit look as bad as it possibly can, uh, which is, of course, when it is wet. (laughs) Yes, it
1: does look pretty bad. Luckily, we don't spend too much time. He just kind of splashes around angry in the water, and then we... We actually fade to black here I think.
0: Yeah, it it is a fade and we just kind of cut from that scene, but long story short, I guess he he like followed the ship into Japanese waters. <laughs> uh, so actually, he follows them.
1: I actually noticed them like I found the the fade to black very uh I guess relieving. It just felt really nice. I'm like it was almost like a break for a second. It's like okay, let's just fade. There's nothing to look at for a couple of seconds. So now let's get back into the next thing.
0: Yeah. No, it I, I know what you mean, especially since it's like a it's a good time saver too. Where it's like there's a lot of stuff that happened in the interim that we really don't need. Yeah. No. Um, but now's where the movie really starts cooking, and that's when both monsters are on on land. Fucking finally. Yeah. Um. But the real thing, the real star of the show in this movie, um, besides the monster fighting, of course, is uh, again, a uh, communal Japanese communal effort. Um, the the plans that these guys throw together fucking phenomenal i love watching this shit no
1: tension no friction no pushback we just get (laughs) planned together it's
0: insane yeah 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 they just they just come up with an idea and do it (laughs) imagine that getting shit Um, done yeah yeah for real and we we get some lovely miniature shots of like a whole bunch of like tinker toys and and oh like, it's like bob the uh, builder <laughs> yeah i was like well yeah, this yeah. is really funny yeah i i actually don't know the year um the uh, the show the thunderbirds came out uh, you know what i'm talking about uh, it's the one that team america the the style of miniature and puppetry was taken from oh uh, i didn't realize that thunderbirds are go is what it was called i i want to say it was from the 60s yes <laughs> kyle's doing an impression of the acting and yes it's exactly that yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like kermit the frog except for a marionette <laughs> that team it's been a long
1: time since I've seen Team America.
0: I was in pain from laughing so hard at that movie. It's pretty fucking good. Um, no. I actually kind of want to rewatch it now. <laughs> now yeah, I kind of want to revisit it, yeah. And and I am one of those people that actually gets a kick out of just the presentation of it, like the writing aside and stuff. Like just just the marionettes and the miniatures yeah. are enough to put a smile on my face. So I I get two two big pluses uh, for for me anyway. But um, yeah, we get to see this uh, construction project going on because we had a military briefing earlier where it was decided that we have two means of potentially offing Godzilla. Uh, so we, because this movie takes place in the same continuity as the previous Godzilla movies, um, these people are aware that you can't just shoot the guy. You yeah. can't just lob a tank shell at him and kill him. Uh, so they're like, hmm, what else can we do? It's like, well, we have one plan where we dig a big old hole and then we flood that hole with poison gas it's like that's kind of a savage seems move <laughs> but
1: seems a little dangerous i think you'd be better off with like a, a big bear trap where you have big <laughs> giant spikes
0: at the bottom well, and remember, this is 1962, so Mechagodzilla was off the table. <laughs> These days, that's that's actually probably the Japanese, like, number one consideration. It's like, any any time a crisis occurs, it's like, can we build a Mechagodzilla? It's like, no, <laughs> goddammit! <laughs> it's like, goddammit, Senator Nakamura, every fucking year, every single time we have an earthquake or a typhoon, you want to build a fucking Mechagodzilla! <laughs> It's like, someday yeah. I'll slip it in on a bill. You won't see it coming. <laughs> you won't see I'll, it coming. I'll, you won't see it coming, but I'll get my Mecha <laughs> Yeah. But the other plan is high-tension wire, which this is kind of goofy because we did try this in 54. We did. It, yeah, it didn't it work. Did, yeah. It was
1: <laughs> like the T-Rex coming through in Jurassic Park. It's just like right through. Uh, yeah, this it, it movie, really didn't fucking work. <laughs> this is where I had a legit laugh was this part. So is it? Is this where he tries to have they is he trying to get through the wire at this point are we not quite No, this
0: is actually where we get our customary godzilla movie skirmish so this is a thing that happens in a lot of godzilla movies where there's a mid-movie clash of the two monsters and it's usually very brief and disappointing and then they part ways and then they come back for the climax so right here is where uh, taco and fred and barney roll up in a car and the military is just like hanging back and watching this shit unfold and uh, Godzilla and King Kong run up on each other in the woods, and uh, it's really kind of cool because we get to see Fred, Barney, and Taco like with a camera and like they're watching from the bushes, like just as like spectators essentially. Because there's no like property damage at stake here. This is in the wilderness, <laughs> so they're just yeah. like watching it like it's a wrestling match. Or and Taco even does a coin flip to see who's gonna win, and he 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 votes for heads. It gets tails, so he's like oh, shit. My boy Kong's going to get thrashed. (laughs) And uh, funny enough, that's exactly what happens. I do love that the opening move is, like, Godzilla's in an elevated position. He's, like, up on a hill, and Kong's below him, and they're, like, gesticulating at each other. And before they even get at it with each other, like, a helicopter flies in front of Godzilla, and just for no fucking reason, he just smokes it. (laughs) He's like, get the fuck out of my face. I'm busy. (laughs) Fuck's wrong with you. Yeah, just fucking (laughs) takes him down. And i love that uh i love the personality of the two monsters like godzilla's kind of a bully in this like he's he's kind of a prick um
1: i love that like he you didn't pick up on that i didn't pick up on their care yeah their characteristics
0: no no i i like it because like kong is kind of like the underdog like he he's losing most of the fights they have um and godzilla's main trump card is his fire breath yeah like in this first skirmish kong can't even get close to him because Godzilla just keeps breathing fire on him. It, like, singes his fur. And I love that Kong just, like, scratches his head and is just like, well, that didn't work. <laughs> he just takes off and leaves. But Godzilla has this move where he, um, the, the suit design, we didn't really spotlight that for Godzilla. But he, his head's almost, like, more alligator-like mm-hmm. um, than in, like, previous versions. Uh, he doesn't have pointy ears like he did the, the first time around. But the other main thing is that he has, like, pronounced claws on his hands. Um and so they they must have noticed that. So Nakajima, um in the Godzilla suit, whenever he's like beaten on Kong, he like claps his hands together. Like like imagine Hulk Hogan doing his bicep pose. Mm-hmm. He does that and they make this like clack clack noise on the soundtrack. <laughs> it's it's like he's taunting Kong. Hmm. He's like ah, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> it it's pretty cool. I didn't notice it. But yeah, this initial skirmish doesn't go well for Kong. So he takes off without even getting a shot in, basically. oh, He does chuck a rock at Godzilla. That is his thing. That's his MO. Um, and the, the uh, first plan comes into effect. It's a nighttime scene. It's pretty cool. Where uh, Godzilla falls into this pit. They set off some explosives. And then, I mean, still got work. some movie left. It doesn't work. It doesn't um, so work. the second plan comes into effect. And uh, the electricity, though, unexpectedly actually works it's pretty funny how it works because
1: godzilla kind of approaches it like i know this shit and they're like wait for it wait for it all right crank it and he touches it and it zaps him and he like goes back so they have this really long shot of him looking this way and then looking the other way and he does it so slow because <laughs> he can't turn his head so his entire body is just moving and i'm like what's he doing i'm like oh, he's looking that the wire goes a long way. So they're like, oh, it's working. And he's like, for now, we're, we're not so sure about this. But I guess he just keeps walking to try to find a, a way through.
0: Yeah, uh, so the electrical cables are set up like encircling the Tokyo area. Uh, so this movie does have like a s- scenes in Tokyo, but it doesn't have like a proper city destruction scene. Um, but it's, it is strange that the electricity in this film and only this film affects godzilla Mm. and in addition to that he also doesn't remember that he has fire breath yeah and in the first film he just breathed fire on the towers like he smashed them but he also breathed fire on them well Um, i mean if you get
1: zapped pretty hard you might forget like because he doesn't get zapped in the
0: first movie but he gets it's also it's also a different godzilla yeah Um, because he did die in that first film so this is a different animal so i guess you could argue that um but that the the other thing that's goofy about it is that uh we do learn that king kong is okay with electricity in fact it empowers him but what's kind of interesting about the american cut of the film is that uh they do actually have a scene uh several scenes in fact where american scientist man who is of course superior to japanese scientist man in fact on the dub track they take a lot of the japanese scientist dialogue and give it to this american guy (laughs) um and then they changed the nature of the dialogue for the japanese guy but um there's a lot of scenes dedicated to this american scientist man pointing out that godzilla's dumb and kong is smart and in addition to that also he theorizes god knows how um that kong is empowered by electricity um which actually the movie regardless of which language track you watch it in does does kind of support that because we do see that Faroe island has lots of electrical activity there are frequent thunderstorms so you know i guess i guess you could put that together that's like oh he lives on an island that there's a lot of lightning and thunder and stuff it stands to reason he gets struck by that shit every once in a while and it makes him stronger he he it, it's his hulkamania juice <laughs> like he literally hulks up in this movie <laughs> but anyway tokyo is being evacuated uh, because even though Godzilla was repelled, uh, Kong is also in the neighborhood, and we do see him not only smash through the electrical towers but also like bite into the cables and seem to enjoy it um, <laughs> so that 's a problem, so he gets into Tokyo unlike Godzilla and uh he just kind of marches through the downtown area. I did love that he pauses for a second and he just punches a building like I he didn't. doesn't smash it he doesn't smash it entirely he just stuck he stands next to it and he's like boosh <laughs> just, yeah, just to not? let him know yeah just let him know he's here but, but mostly he just walks through town and uh, again poor Miehama same lady is caught on a train mm-hmm. different monster same same manner of transportation and uh, he, uh, he picks up her train car and he scoops her out of it so he does the Kong thing where you, you find a pretty gal and march around town with her uh, but then he drops the train car, so you know everyone else in that vehicle yeah. is dead. <laughs> pretty I, I, fucked.
1: I didn't realize it was her. I thought he was just going to eat her. I'm like, just eat her. Eat her. Eat her. Come on. I thought they were going to add another layer to this, but he doesn't eat her. He just takes her. Uh,
0: it's one of those things where it's like it's expected at this point that you know Kong does that. Even, even Kong Skull Island did that uh, to some extent with uh, Brie Larson, where it's like it's not – played up for much like it's it's barely an element of the movie but f- it felt like shoehorned in where it's like expected that oh some blonde lady will encounter Kong and he'll be taken with her in some way I don't remember so that it's there it's it's always there even King Kong lives he finds Lady Kong who has like uh I don't know that like red clay colored hair it's not quite blonde but you know trying <laughs> but <laughs> Um, if this was 33 Kong though, if he saw a you know a dark-haired woman, you, we know what he would do. With <laughs> like, you're getting dropped, lady. Yeah. <laughs> but um, anyway, he carries her through Tokyo, and uh, he gets to the Diet Building, which Godzilla destroyed in his first appearance. So I guess they rebuilt it, um, and this is where the drums and the music come back into play, uh, because uh, Fred Barney and Taco. Uh, run up on the military and tell him "Hey, you can't shoot at Kong. Even though you you may be able to take him out here and now, you can't you can't shoot at him uh, because m- my sister is in his hands, in his clutches, if you will." Um, so they come up with a plan, uh, again on the quick, uh, to make like a weaponized version of the the berry juice in like aerosol form, I guess, and yeah. explode some like charges of it above his head to get him a little bit woozy. Um, and then they uh, have Fred play his drums uh, to the same tune that was played on Faroe Island. And this is what Kyle was talking about uh, with the chants playing back. If it's if it's diegetic or non-diegetic, we're not sure. Um, but basically, they usher Kong to sleep. And uh, again, we get some really cool communal effort on the part of the Japanese military where we get a whole like five-minute scene where they come up with an idea where it's like, okay, we got two monsters... They both got to go. How do we fix this problem? It's like, well, let's throw them in a ring together and have them slug it out. (laughs) So Godzilla is now climbing Mount Fuji. So it's decided that while Kong is asleep, uh, we will use Fujita's wires uh, to strap him to some giant balloons and airlift him via helicopter to Mount Fuji to drop him on top of Godzilla and force a conflict between the two monsters. (laughs)
1: I wish somebody would have had like Jack Black and Tropic Thunder talking about all right, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna put a bunch of wires underneath them and then we're gonna take the wires and we're gonna hook them up to a bunch of helium balloons. Remember his he's like I was in a titty comedy and we're like we were gonna shoot the, we we're gonna use a, like a brawl to shoot the the uncool kids over to the hot girls uh, area and they're just like, Anyway, uh, we're not going to do that because this is just Everything that guy just said is bullshit. Yeah. Everybody's dumber having heard it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, I started laughing out really loud because it's so funny. The way, like, because when they actually do get the balloons up, he's just, he has, like, one arm up in the air. (laughs) One's kind of up a little bit. And then his legs, like, he's just completely asleep and still. And they're just, this thing is just floating. uh, (laughs) Yeah. in the air it's really funny to see
0: it's really funny to see but i you know what kyle in in some of the trailers for uh godzilla versus kong i i've seen that they do this in the oh new my one. goodness i'm oh. s- i was i was like oh that's cool <laughs> like if ah. you're gonna if you're gonna bring some stupid bullshit back from the original it may as well be that stupid bullshit might as well yeah no it made me happy and and again the the whole scene of like this whole operation coming together is pretty cool like you get to see all these people scrambling around they all have destinies and like duties they have to attend to um we have some straight up like hand-drawn cartoons crawling on top of kong's like sleeping body where it's like the outlines of human beings but you can tell it's like somewhere in the compositing process we, we couldn't quite figure out how to like make something that small work on a blue screen. So they just hand animated like the silhouettes of people. Um, But yeah, uh, him suspended from the balloons is pretty fucking goofy looking. It's it's pretty funny. And I love that when he wakes up, he just starts thrashing around and like very casually, the helicopter pilots are like, well, cut him loose and (laughs) we're way the fuck up in the air. (laughs) And I love that we, we get a, a puppet of Godzilla. Um, climbing up the mountain like climbing up Mount Fuji and this is I think restricted just to this final act of the movie but there are like hand puppets like not not like sock puppets but just like miniature mobile puppets that are used for some of the like the wider shots of these two monsters going at it um and this is literally just like a toy Godzilla just kind of like waddling up the mountain <laughs> and then we get a toy King Kong falling down above him on the mountain, onto the slope of the mountain. And I love that the initial hit of this fight is King Kong, semi-conscious, sliding down the mountain and yeah. colliding with Godzilla.
1: <laughs> this is a really funny fight. It's really goofy. And more callbacks to the original King Kong. King Kong actually like kind of gets scared and he hides down beneath yeah. a rock. Uh, and then he, he jumps yeah. on him.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like... Um, this is where the, the the bits from the American version of the movie actually work a little bit where it's like he's a thinking creature whereas godzilla's brute force and kind of dumb and actually like him stepping into the trap uh in the pit and stuff that actually works with his characterization in this where it's like he's kind of a big dumb lizard (laughs) like he just kind of does things he's not really terribly intelligent but I just love that the first hit is Kong sliding into him, like he's going down a sled, and just mm-hmm. like, he's smashing into Godzilla. Godzilla oh, it's goes like... tumbling down the mountain, and King Kong, like, when he gets up, he scratches his ass and just takes up off the mountain.
1: Oh, it's like Jim Carrey <laughs> at the end of Cable Guy, when he's sliding down the saddle. Yeah, his
0: his uh, penguin slide. Ah, yeah, it's yeah. kind of it's like. Yeah, no, it is very much like that. But, uh, yeah, Kong, uh, he tries to hide, and... Uh, Godzilla completely misses him. Uh, he's apparently never played a Metal Gear game. He doesn't have... he. D- oh, act- no, he is actually a guard from a Metal Gear game because he has like a cone of vision. As long as you stay out of that cone, <laughs> he is not aware of you. You can make all the noise you want. He's just like, I don't, I don't know. It's like, I only got what's in front of me. That's all I got to work. Yeah. With. He has no peripherals. He he is without peripherals, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> but, um Kong goes to his uh, his go-to attack pattern here, which I I would assume is going to pop up in the new movie, where he immediately goes for the tail. Yeah. And he, he tries to yank on it, but Godzilla like flips him around, and uh, we see that there's like a strength differential between the two of them, where Godzilla seems to have an edge on him so like every time kong grabs his tail he just kind of like throws him off
1: well they it's interesting because they have completely different proportions godzilla is like uh like a pear; like he's very heavy on the bottom and then he gets very thin on the way up gorillas are completely the opposite they're actually very top heavy and then they have smaller legs so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out
0: yeah in the new one uh i think godzilla has a slight uh height advantage but i think the proportions are are preserved Like, like, um, actually Japanese audiences in particular, um, had a good chuckle at a Godzilla 2014 because they were calling him like, like thick Godzilla, essentially. Thick boy. He is kind of chubby. Especially in the thigh region. Like he's, Mm. he's, his, he has no thigh gap. (laughs) No, he he has no thigh gap. Um, he's a little bottom heavy and yeah, um, Kong of course his proportions because it's a modern day CGI version, it's going to be shaped like a gorilla. And like you said, top heavy, but um there's a few bits of choreography taken out of the american version of this fight it's kind of surprising that they would do that but i think it was intended to like make it a more serious thing like i said the soundtrack in the american version makes it sound like a death battle Mm. like a like a death match to end all death matches but there's a lot of bits in this fight in the japanese version where they like literally kick rocks at each other there's a lot of rock kicking I I love it though because it's like spiteful children fighting. Mm. <laughs> Where it's like Kong gets singed by a bit of fire breath and he just like shakes his fists and kicks a rock. Yeah, it's very <laughs> it's angry. It's like motherfucker, I don't have fire breath, but I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they go at it, and uh, it it's no surprise that Kong kind of gets his ass whipped here in this first stanza of the fight. Um, but y- there's no version of this movie that that makes kong look very good here because the the first major instance where he gets his ass thoroughly whipped in this fight he does it to himself he like concusses himself on a rock (laughs) (laughs) it's so fucking sad because he's he's like throwing rocks at godzilla and then he like overthrows and he does like a front roll and his face smashes into some rocks and he just he's down he is he cannot move like he's just on his back and I think he's supposed to be like playing possum for a bit, because like Godzilla's like whacking him with his tail on his chest, and then he just like springs to life. He he does a uh, explode. He like does a wrestler explosion on him, and uh, he tries to grab his tail again. Godzilla headbutts him, and then uh, we get the second instance of stop motion in the fight, wherein uh, Godzilla does a kangaroo kick on King Kong. So King Kong steps in, and Godzilla like posts up on his tail. And, like, does a double front kick on, gut- on uh, King Kong's torso. And this is just a few, like, a second of stop motion. I guess somebody had the idea that we want this bit of choreography in the movie. And it looks like total crap. But it's in there. In both versions of the movie. Apparently in the American one, we can't kick rocks. But we can do shitty stop motion mule kicks. Mm. <laughs> just Yeah. Uh, if I was to cut anything, that would probably be it. But... Kyle, do you, do you remember the, the turning point in this fight at all?
1: No, I didn't get a chance. To, I got to where he was swinging him by the tail.
0: Oh, well, that, that's here. Okay. Um, basically, Kong is uh, he falls into some rocks, and he's unconscious, basically. Uh, but just in time, uh, we have divine intervention in the form of a thunderstorm that just s- spontaneously ca- like appears in the sky. And uh, Kong's face gets lit up with some thunderbolts, and he, he gets up, and he literally hulks up. Um, he he's like five times as strong now and he just starts beating the shit out of godzilla uh, so every time he touches godzilla at this point um we get to see like some hand-drawn optical effects of like electricity going through his fingers and into godzilla's skin it's kind of cool looking it's like he has like thunder grip <laughs> but uh yeah he we do get the icon- iconic tail swing where the thing that apparently kong has been trying to do this entire movie uh, he does spring to life. He grabs Godzilla by the tail and he swings him across the fucking room. It actually like makes me think of Die Hard with a Vengeance, where there's a hilarious cut where um, Bruce Willis is fighting, um, is it Targo? I think. I don't. It's like there's three major bad guys in Die Hard with a Vengeance. There's Simon, of course. There's the the creepy lady and the tall and then guy. There's the th- the tall guy. Yeah. Uh, he has a fist fight with him on the ship, like in the shipping container area. Yeah. And there's a hilarious cut where they're in the middle of a fight. Last time we saw Bruce Willis, he was on the ground, and the guy was, like, walking up to him. Uh, There's some dialogue between, like, Sam Jackson and and, uh, Jeremy Irons. And we cut back to the fight with a shot of this guy swinging Bruce Willis by one leg.
1: Yeah, he's Terminator. He turns into Terminator.
0: Yeah, but it just comes out of nowhere. (laughs) And you could tell that they put Bruce Willis or his stunt actor on a wire rig just to do this. It's like... Does that really need to be in this otherwise pretty serious action movie? Yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean, same deal with King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah, why not? Um, But yeah, we do get the tail swing. And uh, Kong even gets like a a judo, like hip toss on Godzilla, which is, I I half expected that to be cut from the American version because it is kind of goofy. But um, basically, King Kong is just routing Godzilla at this point. Like, he's just put him on his back heel and just charging him backwards and then we come across uh, uh, Atami Castle, I believe is what it's called, uh, which is like a, a beachside castle. And uh, this is where we get our, our our big destruction scene in the movie because we really have been deprived of that. Um, but I guess they decided, you know, the audience needs this. Um, thank, Thankfully they included this because I actually was wanting this, but it's this iconic moment where uh, both monsters are posted up on either side of this castle. This like absolutely gorgeous miniature that's like taller than either of the, the monster suits. So they, they really did the scale justice. So whoever built this uh, great work but it's all about to get smashed. <laughs> um, but yeah, they both post up on either side of it and they both mutually just smash it and then they tackle each other and uh, fall down into the ocean uh, which causes a earthquake. Um like a a minor tremor, um, although in the American version, I guess they slotted in like stock footage to make it seem like the the biggest earthquake that ever earthquaked. It's a it's an impact tremor, is what it is. <laughs> a little bit worried, yeah. A little um, alarmed here. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, all of our uh, all of our main characters gather on the beach, and uh, they so badly want to say, I guess the planes got him or something, but. We, that didn't happen in this movie so we just say some bullshit um nothing terribly important um but this is where there's like a a a myth a cinematic myth that uh until recently um it was believed that there were two versions of the ending of this film uh, a lot of folks like big godzilla fans just assumed uh that in the Japanese version of the film uh godzilla wins and uh, we get to see him swimming away uh that is not the case um actually I in both versions of the film, we get to see King Kong swimming away. Uh, and when O'Re, the uh, the end title, comes up on the screen, uh, we get to hear both monsters roar, which implies that it was a draw, even though we only get to see King Kong. But keep in mind, Godzilla lives in the ocean, so it stands to reason he just stayed down there. Uh, so no, in actuality, uh, both versions of the film point to it being kind of a draw. Um but yeah that that was uh, King Kong versus Godzilla uh soon to be followed up with Godzilla versus Kong in <laughs> 2021. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Different things. Uh hopefully anyway. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. But yeah, Kyle, what was uh, your general assessment of this one? It's
1: pretty silly, kind of slow, not my favorite that I've seen so far. Um actually I think I prefer Gamera uh to to this one personally. Um but yeah. It was so it had had some nice highlights here and there, and it was it was a little fun. I think it was funnier than I was expecting, which kind of made it a little more fun.
0: Yeah, um, I'm actually kind of of the same mind. Like, I I love me some Godzilla movies, and I did actually have a VHS copy of the American version of this when I was a kid, but it was never one of my favorites. Mm. I did I did watch it from time to time, but honestly, it's never been one of my very favorites. I think. I think the historical significance of it is not to be denied, absolutely, like it is kind of what got the ball rolling. It is what gave us the Godzilla franchise because, like I said, he was two movies in the fifties and wouldn't reemerge until the early sixties, and it was this movie that made him like an annual thing at toho studios uh, so i I do owe it some thanks for that, but I do not think it is one of the best examples of that so it's a good precedent but um both both characters i think have put in better work <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but we'll see we'll see how they how they pair up this time because i'm i'm like ungodly like massive level hyped for for this next one i have a good feeling about it i'm not sure about the director he's got a little bit of a up and down quality to his work um uh,
1: uh, how much is he and- actually directing because this is going to be 90% cgi
0: you're, you're not wrong on that. Um, so it, it could be the case where um, I have heard rumors that the amount of monster action in the movie is not going to disappoint people. Okay. Like if that's all you care about seeing, um, apparently they, they went to great lengths to, to deliver on that end of things, which uh, for filthy casuals is uh, <laughs> probably going to be important uh, because, it sound, like I said, King of the Monsters uh, did not do as well as you may have expected. And a lot of that, I think, had to do with the general pace of, of the film and the lack of monster action. So it sounds like they took notes. Um, and I, I gotta say, man, like, if this one sticks the landing, um, the, these MonsterVerse movies, you know, Godzilla, Godzilla King of the Monsters, Kong Skull Island, and now Godzilla vs. Kong, if this one is good, uh, we're, we're talking, like, you know great franchise like 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 if, like in my mind it's like man you you will have a franchise of four films that doesn't have a bad one in it um they're all exceptional in their own way if you ask me
1: um he the director did do the vhs movies which i've heard are kind of fun um and i've heard the guest is really good i haven't seen it perf- i
0: have i have as well yeah
1: i've heard that's very good so maybe that i think i've seen your next though i think i maybe we watched or i had to watch it for class i don't know but i feel like i've seen that
0: I have seen that, and it was good stop um a little bit a little bit subversive um but that wasn't a bad thing in that case um and it needs to be said the the previous director of Godzilla King of the monsters he also had a horror background um i I'm not sure about uh, junkie x l doing the music for this one um his scores tend like they tend to be engaging like he does have like raw visceral like power in his scores so I, I like that. Um, but they tend to be very samey, if you ask me. Um, they tend to, like, Mad Max Fury Road was exceptional, um, and that's what really put him on the map and made him get a lot of big gigs, like, say, Batman versus Superman and stuff. But there's similarities between those two scores that are a little bit alarming, where it's like, dude, do something different. <laughs> like, like I, I like what you did both times, but it's time to mix it up. And in the case of something involving two franchise monsters uh, I better be hearing some really really good thematic work like both characters need some sort of musical cue that even if it's like original composition you're gonna have to put the work in to do like Godzilla 2014 and like really make something special like in, at, at your first at bat essentially uh, because Godzilla King of the Monsters coasted quite a bit uh, Bear McCrary uh, did the score for that it's a fantastic score Um, but he was very 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 wise uh, to incorporate a lot of the classic Godzilla themes into that score because it was essentially a classic Godzilla movie but Godzilla vs Kong doesn't seem to be following that same pattern it seems like it's going to be something a little bit different in fact by out of necessity it seems like it has to be something different otherwise you're just going to be repeating yourself endlessly um but yeah i I hope i hope it's good yeah um and i think i i can say pretty confidently i I expect it will be better than the original (laughs) so um yeah this is not one of my favorite godzilla movies but i thought it would be fun to cover it um in anticipation of the new one um anything else you want to add kyle nah okay (laughs) well that's a wrap on king kong versus godzilla directed by ishiro honda from 1962 um, but in the meantime, if you would like to catch up on any of our other catching up on cinema content, uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, we also have a couple of social media accounts in the form of an Instagram at catching up on cinema, as well as a Twitter at catching cinema. So feel free to hit us up there um, if you so please. And uh, the podcast is available on pretty much any uh, podcast outlet you can imagine. So Google it. Um, that being said, uh, Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.
1: Yeah.